Today on Blue 58, the Packers are 3-4, and four, embarrassing themselves on a weekly basis and have their toughest game of the season bearing down. It's time for a long, hard look in the mirror. Blue 58! Hello and welcome to another episode of Blue 58, the one and only podcast of thepowersweep.com. I'm your host, John Meerdink, happy to be with you here for another episode. It would be worse if that didn't feel so unsurprising. The Packers fall to 3-4 and four at the hands of the Washington Commanders. And watching things play out on the pathetic final play that the Packers ran, trying to get down the field into the end zone with a series of laterals that ended with a cross-field throw to John Runyon, I can't help but think of a play that we are all too familiar with. Speaking of Hail Marys. In my mind's eye, I'm picturing Scotty Miller sprinting past Kevin King for a touchdown in the 2020 NFC Championship game. Because that play, and a number of others on that unfortunate day, set in motion a lot of things. Mike Pettin left. Not fired, remember. He was not fired. He just was not re-signed by the Packers. His contract expired. They did not bring him back. And so in comes Joe Barry. Not Jim Leonard. Not Ajiro Averro. Not even Jerry Gray. Sean Menenga departs, and in comes Maury Strayton, and you know how things played out on special teams in the 2021 season. Also missing in that game, David Bakhtiari. The Packers seemingly have spent the last year and a half hoping he comes back to full strength, and a lot of their inaction on the offensive line seems to have been predicated on him still coming back and then just not being there yet. They held tight with Yash Nyman as their backup left tackle, holding off on any effort to move him over to the right side until they were all but forced to do that because Royce Newman was so bad up front. But Bakhtiari missing in that 2020 game against the Buccaneers. And also from that game, a serious lack of help for the Packers at wide receiver. Devontae Adams did Devontae Adams things to the extent that he could in that game, operating essentially a solo performance. But other than a deep shot to Marquez Valdez-Scantling, not a whole lot of production from the receivers, and the Packers stood pat basically until this past offseason there as well. In 2021, the Packers essentially ran it back with that 2020 roster, plus a couple of other changes. Devondre Campbell comes on board. You draft Eric Stokes. Ultimately, you sign Rasul Douglas. And I think bringing it now to this game, I think we can view this season as a commentary on that decision. Because the big question for me is not so much what happened today. It's it's twofold, I guess. What happened to bring us to this point? How did we get here? And then where do we go from here? I think the road to this point starts with that game against the Tampa Bay Buccaneers at Lambeau Field. In the intervening years, the groundwork was laid for this season through a plan and a series of assumptions. The plan was this. The 2020 team was close. The 2021 team was close. You lost Devontae Adams in the offseason, but the NFC is weak this year, so if you retool what is essentially still your 2020 roster, maybe you can squeak into the playoffs and get lucky. So you trade Adams, add some defensive talent, add some young receivers, and away you go. The assumptions were these. 
First, Aaron Rodgers would still be at or near an MVP level at quarterback. Second, the defense would take a step forward in year two under Joe Barry. Third, the young talent you added on defense would make a difference in that process. And fourth, you could replace Devontae Adams with new and some existing players. Well, Aaron Rodgers has not been at or near an MVP level. Even mitigating factors aside, the offensive line not being solid, the thumb injury, talent around him, he has not executed on a down-to-down basis at an MVP level. Pro Football Focus, which has been charitable towards him, uh, even in his some of his later career ups and downs, has backed off their grades from him from where he was last year. He's grading at like a 10th to 12th best quarterback in the NFL right now. Advanced stats-wise, he's more like a 25th to like 28th best quarterback in the league right now. It's not close to where it needs to be. The defense also hasn't taken a step forward. It seems like on a weekly basis we are hearing stories about how it's the defenders telling Joe Barry what they want to do rather than Joe Barry doing any sort of schematic innovation or adjustment to fit the scheme that he runs to the talent that he has. He has done very little to elevate the talent that he has, and that was a common criticism under Mike Pettin. It seems to be even more true under Joe Barry. The Packers' defense is consistently less than the sum of its parts. Thirdly, the young talent on defense or on offense, I guess for that matter, really hasn't made much of a difference. Quay Walker is a great athlete. He seems to be a nice player, but it's not at a position that you could call by any stretch of the imagination a premium position on defense. And he hasn't been super consistent week in to week out. He's not a pass rusher. He's not a premium cover corner. A first-round pick on a linebacker is a luxury. And he hasn't played to a level that would justify that luxury. Devontae Wyatt, meanwhile, can't seem to consistently get on the field. And over on the offensive side of things, Christian Watson can't get on the field at all because of a slew of injuries. And then they use him weirdly when he is on the field. He is amounted to just being a six foot five inch version of Tyler Irvin. And that is not good enough for a guy you spent two draft picks to get. On top of that, Romeo Dobbs has been good, but inconsistent. Basically what you'd expect from a fourth round pick. Segwaying into another assumption, the receiving core with Existing and new players hasn't come even close to replacing Adams. I said on this podcast a number of times, other smart people have said similar sorts of things. And yes, I did group myself in, I guess, subconsciously there with a group of smart people. People smarter than me have said that you can, in theory at least, replace one player leaving through consistent production from other guys. Well, Look at your Devontae Adams replacement group. You've got Sammy Watkins. You've got Romeo Dobbs. Robert Tunyon coming off an ACL. That's part of the plan here. We have to address here too. You were counting on a big receiving year from Robert Tunyon coming off an ACL. That's a bold take, I guess. But he's part of that group you're counting on to replace some of Adams' production. On top of that, you've got Christian Watson, Amari Rogers sticking around from 2021, hopefully taking a step forward. And then Samori Ture, another draft pick. How'd that group do today against a secondary that we talked about pregame as being potentially vulnerable? Well, Sammy Watkins, four targets, two catches, 36 yards. 30 of those 36 yards came on the last desperation drive. Robert Tunyon, 
Four targets, three catches, 32 yards. Amari Rodgers, three targets, two catches, 14 yards. Toure, one target, one catch, four yards. Dobbs, four targets, zero catches. Watson, a DNP. All of those together, 16 targets, eight catches, 86 yards, no touchdowns. 30 of those 86 yards, again, coming on the last drive on Sammy Watkins' big catch. So you end up with, during the time that mattered, 15 targets, 7 catches, 56 yards from your 6 or 7 guys that you're counting on to step up to collectively replace Devontae Adams. That is not good enough. That was the plan. It's not even close to good enough. Yes, there are some injuries holding them back. Sammy Watkins looked like a shell of himself today. Look at that deep shot where they called defensive pass interference. He looked both sore and winded after that play. He is not the player they need him to be right now. And they seem to have rushed him back off injured reserve just because they needed some help, any help. And Christian Watson remains on the sideline. This is not a personal attack on Christian Watson, but the facts of the matter are that he cannot get on the field. He has not been healthy enough to play this year. And in a year when you needed him to be a big part of your receiving core, he's not there. We haven't even talked about Randall Cobb being a part of this equation, but we did speak earlier this week about how a 32-year-old slot receiver should not be a foundational piece of your receiving core. And yet, here we are. That's the plan. Those were the assumptions. And it has led to a 3-4 and four start in Green Bay. So where do we go from here? There are two paths forward. First, you could stay the course. In all honesty, a 3-4 and four record is bad, but not necessarily the end of the world. And the NFC has broadly appeared to be about as bad as expected. They talk numerous times about how other would-be contenders in the NFC has, have also stumbled out of the gate here. The Rams, the 49ers, the Buccaneers, all sitting at or around 500. The NFC has been bad. There aren't really juggernaut teams in this side of the NFL. The Giants are 6-1. and one. What do you really make of that? I don't know if they really know what they are as a team, but they're sure happy to be 6-1, and one, and why wouldn't you be? You're probably a little bit ahead of schedule there, too. The Vikings have been up and down, but putting up wins week in and week out. The Eagles are, you know, stacking success here, too. But no juggernauts. Maybe you sneak into the playoffs. You hope you get a good matchup with one of those teams. Maybe you're suddenly in the divisional round again. You get a good matchup in the divisional round. You're in the NFC Championship. Suddenly you're a game away from the Super Bowl. You get to the Super Bowl. Anything can happen. However, to get into the playoffs, you still probably are going to have to get to nine wins. And at three and four, that means the Packers are probably going to have to go six and four over their last 10 games to get to those nine wins. Do you think they can do that? You got Buffalo, you got Detroit, you've got Dallas, Tennessee, Philadelphia, 
Chicago, the Los Angeles Rams, the Dolphins, the Vikings, and then the Lions again. Those are the next 10 games. Which are your six wins? Optimistically, I would say Detroit, Detroit, and Chicago, for sure. Though splitting with the Lions would not be at all a surprise this year. The Lions seem like exactly the sort of team that is going to punch the Packers in the nose at least once this year. But let's say, just looking at where they are talent-wise, they get two against the Lions this year, they get Chicago, and then they pick off Tennessee. I don't know beyond that, because they're not beating Buffalo next week. Dallas looks like they're probably going to handle the Packers at Lambeau Field. Excited to see Mike McCarthy get another win there. Philadelphia, well, if the Packers can't stop the run against bad teams or teams that were thought to be bad, what about a good team that bases their entire identity around running the football? I'm not thinking very much there. Los Angeles, well, let's think about it this way. Sean McVay had a chance to hire Joe Barry as his defensive coordinator and was more than happy to let him be, let him leave because the same offseason that the Packers hired him, he also had an opening for his defensive coordinator position. He was not super interested in Joe Barry. The Dolphins, they seem like they can be anybody from week to week. Are they a good team? Are they a bad team? Who knows what they're going to be? But I think they're probably further along than the Packers right now. And then you got the Vikings who have already handled the Packers. I don't know if I see six wins out there. So then there's the other option. You can take a look at yourself and admit that you missed. You made a plan that you thought would work. You assembled talent that you thought a quarterback playing at or near an MVP level could carry. And it didn't work. Now's the time to pull out of the plan. Because the sooner you admit that the plan that you made didn't work, the sooner you can get back to a new plan. Because how football teams are constructed, you have to overcome some of the inertia of your previous roster before you can get to the new place where you want to be. The Packers went into this offseason deciding they were going to build around Aaron Rodgers. And the alternative, and I want to, I should write about this just so it's down in print at thepowersweep.com. A lot of people are going to talk about, we're going to have a lot of revisionist history on what happened with Rodgers. Because the Packers decided that they were going to re-sign Rodgers and rebuild around him again. People think that there was this alternative world where the Packers keep or move on from Rodgers and do everything else the same. No. The alternative to Rodgers was a full teardown. You're not re-signing Devondre Campbell, a 29-year-old linebacker, to a $50 million contract if you don't think that you're making a push this year. You don't bring back Rasul Douglas. You don't restructure Aaron Jones' contract. You don't keep Adrian Amos around. You don't re-sign Preston Smith. You probably have a serious conversation with David Bakhtiari and say, look, man, we appreciate all the work that you've done. It's time to move on. This team, there, there is not a version of this team that we're seeing right now where you've got everybody who's on it plus a bunch of draft picks that you got from Aaron Rodgers. This season is a zero-win season. There is no attempt to win games in 2023 without trying to 
something again with Aaron Rodgers. And if that's what you think they should have done, that's fine. But just don't let your fall, yourself fall into the trap of saying, okay, they should have traded Aaron Rodgers, but then they still would have contended in 2022 because that wouldn't have been the plan. But if you say you missed, if you say, okay, things didn't work out with Aaron Rodgers, things didn't work out when we tried to run it back one more time from that 2020 roster that was so close to the Super Bowl, okay, it didn't work. Now you start the teardown. If you don't think you can get to the playoffs this year, it's time to start. I think you sell whatever's bolted down, not bolted down right now, then reassess in the offseason. That comes back to the Packers not being buyers at the trade deadline, but being sellers. Three names that come to mind, expiring contracts that are fairly cheap to move, Alan Lazard, Robert Tunyon, Yash Nyman. If you wanted to move on from those guys, there may be a buyer out there. Maybe there's a team who thinks they're uh, the version of the Packers that we talked about this week where they're just a, like a number two receiver away from contending or, or going over the top that would be in the market for somebody like Alan Lazard or a Robert Tunyon. Or maybe there's a team who's not rebuilding that wants to build around an athletic young tackle with starting experience, a draft pick for Yash Nyman. In the offseason, you're probably having tough conversations around guys like Preston Smith, Devondre Campbell. Aaron Jones is as good as gone already. But that's what's coming if you've decided that you're not going to move on. I don't know what the Packers are going to do, but we are going to learn a lot about what Brian Gutekunst's opinion of this team is over the next few days and I guess a couple of weeks here. Because we're going to learn what he thinks of his team right now and probably of Aaron Rodgers. If he stands pat right now, there's a good part of me that thinks he's counting on Aaron Rodgers for 2023. That may or may not be the smart thing to do, but maybe he really believes in this plan that they had, that it was like a two-year mini-rebuild. Okay, 2021 was going to be, or 2022 was going to be tough, but 2023 is the year that we really wanted to contend. Maybe he really wants to believe that Aaron Rodgers can recapture that form one more time. I don't know if that's true. I think there's reason to doubt that that's true. But I think there are, are reasonable people who have looked at you know, what the Packers have done here this year and said, look, Aaron Rodgers has been bad, but maybe not as bad as you expect or maybe not as bad as you've heard or been told. The Packers' etern- internal evaluation on that is going to determine a lot of what happens next because if they think Aaron Rodgers really is close and the rest of the offense is close, maybe they just ride out this season and say, yep, we took some lumps here, but 2023 we're going to re- make one more big push with Aaron Rodgers, and with the the young talent that we have. I think there's reason to be skeptical of that, though. And not just because of Aaron Rodgers, but I think we've seen good reason to believe that we shouldn't always trust the Packers' internal evaluations on some of these prospects. Royce Newman was out on that field for an awful long time this season with other options available. Things weren't perfect up front today. Yash Nyman, two holding penalties. 
uh, put the Packers in a serious bind on the right side. But they threw Zach Tom out there, and he didn't get destroyed. And things, by and large, were pretty okay throughout the rest of the line. There wasn't an obvious weak point blocking-wise, it seemed, as there's been in the previous five or six weeks. But somebody had to be making that call on Nyman. And internally, they decided that he was their best option for a month and a half now on an NFL schedule. I think we can all agree that was probably a miss. Omari Rodgers has gotten opportunity after opportunity after opportunity. I think there's reason to be skeptical about their internal evaluation on him. We've also seen, you know, the the overall receiver picture kind of be a bit muddled this year at best. That, again, is an evaluation problem. And the Packers haven't added talent at receiver in a long time. That, too, is an evaluation problem. What I'm saying is, even if the Packers make a decision that puts them on one of this these two courses, even if we don't know the answer ourselves, I think we should approach whatever the Packers do with a healthy amount of skepticism that they're going to be making the right call. You can believe that they should sell, like cash it in here after this game. You can believe that they are going to, or that they could get hot and try to get into the playoffs here down the stretch. That doesn't matter to me as much as what the Packers do. And I think there's reason to be skeptical about the choices they make, whatever side they fall down on going forward, because their calls to this point haven't panned out super regularly. And they've made some costly decisions in key spots over the past couple of years that have put them in the position where they really needed to go all in for this year. That could be the source of a costly rebuild heading into 2023 and beyond. In terms of what comes next, we're going to get a look at a team that is that is clicking next week on Sunday Night Football because the Packers travel to Buffalo to face the Bills. The finest point I can put on it right now is that the Bills are good, but the Packers are not. And in our confidence picks for this week, in our Patreon-only um, picks group that we've talked about a couple times, I would have to say as of right now, the Packers losing to the Bills would be the thing I'm more or less the most confident about heading into week eight. That is as good a summary as I can say about where the Packers are as a team right now. There is nothing else on the week eight schedule that I am more confident in than the Packers losing to the Bills. What happens next is probably going to be painful. But I would also encourage you to remember that even if it's painful, it can still be interesting as a fan. Sometimes turmoil creates interesting opportunities for growth. And there's there's interesting times where you can look back and say, well, here's where they made this decision and this decision and this decision. And here is how it's affected things down the road. Keep in mind that we're going to be watching those decisions playing out in real time over the next couple of weeks and months as the Packers go into either a new phase entirely or really buckle down 
and double down on this decision that they made a few months ago. That is an interesting thing to watch. And transitions, if the Packers do indeed to transition to a post-Aaron Rodgers era, transitions are always interesting to watch. And watching that process play out, I think is going to be very interesting and fascinating. And we get to watch it all play out together. That's all I've got for you in this episode. I appreciate you listening in. I'm sorry if I didn't make you feel better. I don't think we're here to feel better, though. I think we're here to talk about some bad things that are going on in Green Bay right now. If you enjoyed this episode and think someone else would enjoy it too, I would encourage you to share it with that person. Get more people involved in this conversation you you and I are having about the Green Bay Packers, which in turn is going to help all of us, me included, become smarter Packers fans. And as I always say, smarter Packers fans are better Packers fans, and better Packers fans are what we all want to be. I'm your host, John Meerdink. We'll see you next time on Blue 58.